Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Criminal Discourse Podcast. I'm Trish. And I'm Maddie. And we are happy to be back with you this week. This is our Christmas week episode though not very jolly. And so we want to wish everyone out there happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Maddie. Joyeux Noël. Joyeux Noël for our French listeners, which we have none. And (laughs) (laughs) that's all we know in, in terms of languages. We'd like to give a special shout out to the Prairie State of Illinois for our listeners in Illinois and Chicago, Deerfield, LaGrange, and Buffalo Grove. Again, we don't know who you are specifically. We just know where you are. And if you already haven't had an opportunity, please check out our website at criminaldiscoursepodcast.com. And we hope you've been enjoying our episodes. We love putting them out for you. And so wherever you listen to us, whatever platform it is, we would just ask that you hit subscribe and maybe give us a nice rating. So this week's episode is taking place in Pembroke, Kentucky. This is located in Christian County, Kentucky. Kentucky, and it's a part of the Clarksville, Tennessee metropolitan area. This is a small southern town located in the western part of the state bordering Tennessee. According to the 2010 census, it has a population of approximately 869 residents. I think my high school class was a bit bigger than that when I read that. So this is a small southern town, and it covers approximately 1.1 square miles. On November 19, 2015, a car is discovered burning near a cornfield about a mile outside of town of Pembroke off of Rosetown Road. Once the fire is extinguished, those on the scene, which included the fire department and police, discover a body burned beyond recognition. They would soon come to discover a second body in the car. Now, police were able to trace the car to an address in Pembroke at 443 South Main Street. This home belonged to Calvin and Pam Phillips. So police obtained a search warrant And when they entered the home, they found a man lying on the floor dead from gunshot wounds to his chest. So wait, they had to obtain a search warrant? It wasn't enough that there was a burning car with bodies in it? I'm not sure why they had to obtain a search warrant. I think in terms of entering the property, perhaps they wanted to do it in case they found evidence. Because they didn't know at the time who the bodies belonged to. They just knew the car belonged to an individual that lived at that home. Okay, fair enough. These three victims would be identified as Calvin Phillips, age 58. He was the one found in the home from the gunshot wounds. Pamela Phillips, age 53, and Ed Dancero, age 63, a neighbor of the Phillips. Now, police began looking for a link, besides them being neighbors, that would put all three of these individuals in the crosshair of a killer or killers. Because by all accounts, none of these people had criminal background. There was nothing nefarious that popped up. The next day, another neighbor, Army Major Christopher Kit Martin, who was a neighbor of the Phillips and Desireaux, was taken by surprise by a SWAT unit showing up at his door, and he was taken into custody by the military police, where he would remain in their custody for four days. He was named a person of interest by the Christian County investigators and Army investigators. Now, Major Martin, who had made a career out of serving in the Army, was stationed at nearby Fort Campbell, which is about 30 to 45 minutes away from Pembroke. A search warrant was obtained for his home and his three vehicles looking for blood, body fluids, hair, fingerprints, really any evidence that would link him to these murders. What investigators would soon discover is that Calvin Phillips was set to testify against Major Martin in his upcoming court-martial. Calvin Phillips was the government's star witness. 
and this trial was scheduled to take place two weeks after the murders. Martin had been accused by his ex-wife of sexually assaulting slash molesting two of her children and not caring properly for classified information. During the police search, a surveillance camera was taken from Martin's residence. Now, Martin's lawyer claims that it'll show that his client was home around 2 a.m. the morning of November 15th. And why 2 a.m. is important is that a potential witness had heard noises coming from the field next to his house where the car was eventually found to be burning. Major Martin's court-martial continued as scheduled even though he was a person of interest in the triple murders of his neighbor. He would be found guilty of two counts of mishandling classified material and two counts of assault of a child. He was found not guilty of two counts of rape of a child and communicating a threat. Martin had been accused of beating his stepson and other stepchildren. The mishandling of information came from military CDs and a laptop that were found in his home and eventually turned over to the FBI. Martin served six months in a military prison and was discharged from the Army. And upon his release from military prison, he moved to North Carolina. So who links these murders all together is Martin's ex-wife, Joan Harmon. Joan was married to Christopher Martin and were neighbors of the Phillips and Desiree. Joan and Christopher were going through a divorce, which apparently Martin had asked for as he believed Joan had cheated on him. And then Joan turns around and claims that Martin had physically and sexually abused her and her three children. Now, in 2012, a judge denied a domestic violence order, stating that she did not meet the burden of proof necessary to receive that order. But the Phillips believed Harmon and even offered one of their rental properties for her and her kids to move into. And Joan Harmon would state in an interview with local news reporters after the murders that Pam was really like a second mom to her and that Calvin was just incredible through all this. Now, Calvin Phillips had even helped Joan gather up some of her belongings one day, and that is when they discovered the military CDs that had the word secret written across them and a military computer, which they found amongst a pile of blankets. Calvin and Joan turned them over to the FBI, believing that Martin should not have been in possession of such classified materials. Philip Calvin would also come across a photograph of one of Harmon's sons showing red welts all over his back. And this is what eventually led Major Martin to be court-martialed. Now, had Martin been found guilty on all counts, Joan Harmon would have received up to a six-figure settlement from the military, and this is referred to as a transitional compensation benefit. But he was found not guilty on some of the charges, so she didn't receive that money. So is that a benefit only for if your spouse is found guilty of those criminal acts or certain types of criminal acts? I'm not sure. I took it as because he would had been found not guilty of the two counts of rape of the child and communicating a threat. So I think had he been, I took it more of it had to be more of a sexual nature. Okay. So after Joan moved out, she the Phillips and Desiree all took a concealed carry weapons class together. And this was confirmed with the organizers of the class by the police. And this was done because she was so fearful of reprisal from Kit Martin. So in preparing for his court martial, Kit Martin had hired a team of private investigators to work on his case. Now, these investigators interviewed Calvin Phillips in his home about two weeks prior to the murders. They asked him why he turned over the classified materials to the FBI. And Calvin's answer was, when I see 
see that amount of classified information, I look at that as this isn't supposed to be here. The PI also asked him what Joan Harmon had told him regarding her relationship with Martin. Calvin's response was that she was afraid of him and concerned for her welfare. When they asked about the molestation claims, Calvin stated that she never told him that Martin had molested the kids. They specifically asked about Joan's claim that Kit had raped her and sodomized her and beat her, and Calvin's response was no. They even asked Calvin about him having an affair with Joan, and Calvin stated that he wasn't going to elaborate on what he was going to testify to, and that pretty much wrapped the interview. During Joan Harmon's interview with the TV journalist, and this again was after the murders, she denied having an affair with Calvin Phillips, stating that her ex-husband for years has been trying to push that theory. In a disclosure of evidence form, however, that the state had to provide, and this was handed down in 2019, a former officer with the Pinbook police had claimed that he had walked in on Calvin Phillips and a female engaging in sex at Calvin's workplace, which was a warehouse I believe he owned. He had waited outside, and about 15 minutes later, he saw Joan Harmon exit the warehouse. Kit Martin had also given an interview in which he stated he did not murder the Phillips or Desiree, as he identified Calvin Phillips as actually being his star witness based upon the information recorded during the private investigator's interview. Remember, he had said, no, she didn't mention anything about molestation. No, she didn't mention anything about what he had done to her, just that she was afraid of him. He also claimed that Harmon wanted revenge. And soon after the murders, a woman had called into a local news station and stated a major Chris Martin in a yellow house across the street from the Calvins, there's evidence of the murders inside. So when he said that she wanted revenge, Revenge. Did he say what revenge for? Like, what was she exactly vengeful of? I think in terms of him wanting to divorce her. Okay. And kind of leave her with nothing. That was the revenge because he's the one that asked for the divorce. Right, right. And I, I guess if she knew that there were possibilities of getting that settlement and things, then that could also sort of force through claims of certain things to try to get that money, was I'm guessing what his argument was. Possibly. he, Kit Martin and his defense team believe that Joan Harmon is actually the killer and that she had all the motive in wanting Calvin Phillips dead. Because again, remember, this was going to be the government's star witness against him in the court-martial, but he felt, hey, he's actually my star witness in the court-martial, and that he would reiterate, like he did to the private investigators, that Joe never said all of this other stuff, and that she would want Calvin really to be quieted so he couldn't do that, and that possibly his wife and the neighbor were just collateral damage. Also in an interview that took place at a later time, Matt Phillips, son of Calvin and Pam, had told investigators that his mother, him and his mother had been talking on the phone, and she looked out the window and she said she saw Kit Martin walking in the field by their house, and she told her son that she felt they were being surveilled by him. So while they were investigating the murders, it had come to light that Joan Harmon, while married to Kit Martin was also married to another man. She had pleaded guilty to bigamy because according to her, she didn't have the money to fight the charges. So in May 2016, this is after the murders, she was given a five years unsupervised pretrial diversion. I would imagine for five years if she doesn't commit any crimes or, you know, marry two people at once, <laughs> that, that will all go away. If you don't get married again, you'll be okay. Make sure you get a divorce the first time. So for three and a half years, this case is continuing 
continuing to be investigated, right? The murders happened in 2015. Nobody was really arrested for these murders until May 11th, 2019, when Chris Martin is arrested and charged with three counts of murder, two counts of burglary in the first degree, three counts of tampering with physical evidence. Now, Martin was arrested while waiting to board a flight he was piloting that was soon to depart for Charlotte, North Carolina. He flew for a subsidiary of American Airlines, and this arrest occurred at the Muhammad Ali International Airport in Louisville. So in 2018, after Martin had left the military, he became a pilot. And American Airlines did complete a background check, but showed no felonies attributed to his record until he was arrested. So his record didn't show the felony of assault of a child conviction from his court-martial because military court-martials, depending on the state and what base, transfer differently to civilian criminal records. So assault or battery of a child transferred to simple assault and didn't disqualify him from becoming a commercial pilot. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Why? At the same time, you could think of it as because he wasn't tried in that state and what laws would apply to that state. But you would think something like the difference between battery of a child and simple assault. That's a huge difference. Right. Well, it's the difference between getting your pilot's license, apparently. So the indictment handed down claimed that Martin had shot all three victims in the Phillips home. He then transferred Pam and Ed's bodies to Pam's car and drove it out of town to the isolated road and set it on fire. He then returned to the Phillips home and tried to also burn that down, but I guess it didn't take. So Martin had pleaded not guilty in court. There was also a charge of complicity in the indictment, meaning that the state believes Martin worked with another person or persons to commit these murders, but no other person has been identified as of yet. So Martin is being held in the Christian County Jail. His bond is set at $3 million, $1 million for each victim. Circuit Court Judge John Atkins complied with the state's request for the bond to be set so high because he felt that Martin was a flight risk and had a talent and ability to disappear. And the judge references Martin's use of social media and using aliases to conceal his identity on social media. And the judge found this disturbing. Was there any talk about why he was concealing his identity on social media? This came up at an adversarial bond hearing on October 17th, 2019. A Lieutenant Scott Smith, he's the lead investigator for Christian County, took the stand. And he testified that Martin had allegedly created multiple social media accounts on Facebook using various aliases and had several cell phones and email addresses also under several different names. He also testified that the investigators were able to retrieve phone transcripts between Martin and some of his family members where he asked them to set up a P.O. box in California under another name than his own. The defense asked for the bond to be set at $500,000 as $3 million they felt was quite excessive. And that was denied and the bond remained at $3 million. So also at this adversarial bond hearing, they mentioned that DNA testing is currently taking place and that could take up to six months or more. So no trial date has been set as of yet. So this is a really twisty, turny, who did it? Did Major Christopher Martin do this? Or did his ex-wife Joan Harmon do this? And really, who had the most motive? So this is one we'll be staying closely tuned to. And when any new information comes available, we'll be coming back with that. For the DNA testing, did they find DNA that they're running it up against? Or is it just in general to see if there was any sort of match around the car or the home? They didn't specifically say. So I'm not sure if this DNA was found 
found in the Phillips home. I don't know if this is DNA from Martin's home. I'm not sure what this DNA is. So I do have another update on another case that we covered. This was from our October 14th episode for Sheila Keen Warren, the killer clown case, because you know, I just don't like clowns. Anyways, an update on her case is it is set to begin jury selection on May 29th, 2020. And prosecutors are seeking the death penalty in that case. So if you haven't listened to that episode, stop this now. Go listen to that episode. Come back here and just get the end because there's been some updates since then. So Judge Joseph Marks of Palm Beach County approved a request by prosecutors to prevent the defense from using public monies for trial preparation costs. So I believe when she was first arrested, initially she said, well, I'm not going to be able to pay for my defense, so I need money to help with that. And they didn't really quite believe her. So I guess some deal was worked out where Warren's husband, who is Michael Warren, who was the husband of the murder victim, what paid up to about $150,000 in attorney's fees, but the defense got approval to start billing the state for all other costs. So they give an example as printing of transcripts for witness interviews. And this information comes from an article in the South Florida Sun Sentinel written by Mark Friedman. So go read that article if you want more specific information. But the assistant state's attorney, Brian Fernandez, accused the Warrens of faking not having enough money for her defense, as bank records show that the couple have hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and other various assets. So as of now, Sheila Keen Warren has to reimburse the state $694. Her attorney isn't really fighting this challenge change as he did not want to argue the claims of Sheila's worth. So that is another case we'll be paying attention to as soon as jury selection in the trial begins. So if the trial's televised at all, do you want to have a watch party? <laughs> oh, we could. How exciting would that be? I don't know. It's Florida. They might. You mean back in the days of court TV, you could watch trials all the time. I don't know if they have that anymore. I'm sure we could find it somewhere. I'm sure even on the courthouse's website or something, they should set up a viewing. Okay. So any criminal discourse life tips, man? Oh, this is rough. It is, because this is not really a solvable one. We can't say like, oh, this person is serving time for the rest of their life or they were acquitted. You know, this is one that's kind of still unfolding, one of these more tricky ones. Well, and you don't really know what's going on. Is this something where his wife truly felt threatened? And there was obviously with the photos of the child that had been injured, there was abuse going on in the home. But did she push that further? And was it sort of her reaction to not thinking that Calvin was going to testify the way that she wanted him to. I don't know. Given this, I'm more siding with that it was Chris doing it as a reaction. Because even if he wasn't, he was going to go against the molestation claims, he was still going towards the abuse, the threatening, the confidential materials. It wasn't as if with Calvin's testimony, he was going to be scot-free. True. I don't know. I, I'm going to wait and see. I, I can, at this point in time, I could see it almost both ways. I absolutely could. But I also think if it was just one individual in the murders, I would lean towards like you to Chris Martin, only because how do you lift two bodies out of the house and put them in the car if you're a woman, unless she was incredibly strong, because you're lifting two bodies, full adult size individuals and moving them into a car. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. I couldn't do it. 
<laughs> I don't think I'd get So in a criminal discourse life tip, ah, oh, gosh, I don't know. It kind of goes back. We talked about some other ones before about if there was an affair involved, like he's asking her for a divorce because he believed she was having an affair, allegedly with Calvin Phillips. You know, don't. And here's another one. Before you marry someone, actually, here's my criminal discourse life tip. Before you marry someone, make sure you're divorced from the previous someone. Oh, that's a really good one. Thank you. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> That's it. That's what we're going with. Don't commit bigamy. Just get a divorce or don't get married then again. Yeah. No one's forcing you to get married, guys. You don't have to. Although I will say with the military benefits, it is True. much more advantageous to get married. <laughs> I know some people that have got married pretty much for the military benefits. True. They are nice. They do take care of our, our military servicemen and their families or service women in their families. Okay. So that's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like we said, you know, hope you're having a stress-free holiday season. I know I'm not. So I hope everybody else is. And we want to wish you the best. So remember, if you see something, say something. You might have that missing piece of the puzzle that's needed to solve a crime. And as always, stay safe. But let's also remember, especially in this Christmas season, to be kind to one another. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.